You're listening to God Stories Radio. God Stories Radio. God Stories Radio. Bringing hope and comfort through the Christian testimony. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of God Stories Radio, Session 22. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. Mike, how's your week been? It's been uh, the same. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> Just riding a wave. I, um, I have my eyes and my ears open open to uh, looking for uh, uh, doors to open, and that's uh, what I'm waiting on. How's I'm excited week? to be back. I really am. We took a kind of a couple week hiatus. It's been a very busy time of year um, with the church, and uh, we've had some special guests. We had a very large bike night the other night that yes, we attended. We did. Uh, we did have a testimony that that uh, was supposed to happen session twenty two that did not. So that's why I put the uh, call to prayer out on Twitter to be praying about session twenty two. And that prayer has been answered because uh, Pastor Christian Grasso of Real Life, he's a communications pastor, gave his testimony at Real Life a couple of weeks ago. Powerful, powerful testimony. And not only that, he's just funny as heck. Yes. And he has given us permission to air his testimony on God Stories Radio, Mike. Wow. I'm a little surprised, but... Well, I I was too. I didn't think I was would be so quick to get his approval. Uh, I don't know why, but I do know why now that God wanted us to pray about session twenty two. Right. So, and this is the one. And this is the one and for session twenty two. Strap yourself in. That's right. As Mike says, strap yourself in because um, he brings it to you. So anyway, just sit back and uh, as always, if you have any prayer requests. Uh, God Stories Radio at Gmail. Any kind of testimony if that you God's nudging you to share, you know, get it to us in any form. You know, we you can do it on Skype. Sure, uh, as uh, written, and one of us will just uh, air it through one of our voices. It's uh, uh, we'll take it anyway. If God is nudging you, let absolutely. Us have it. As you always say, Mike, there's always person or persons someone, out there yeah, that, someone or uh, someone's, yeah. that needs to hear it. So yeah, God's nudging you. Get it to us in any form or fashion. Send it to God Stories Radio, 1970, South Highway 27, Claremont, Florida, 34711, and we'll be glad to read it on the air. Okay. Love to. We'll sit back, strap in, and hang on, because here Here's comes Chris. Christian Grasso. Card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've spoken thousands of times around the world, and uh, there's probably no time that I've been any more nervous than right now. Say, why? Because I'm about to uh, pee next to a guy without a divider. That's an awkward feeling. I don't care who you are. I just got back from Mexico last night, and I happened to be in a place that had that opportunity. You can't look anywhere. You can't do anything. It's awkward. 
and you just kind of come up and you're like, I don't, I want to kind of go in the corner, you know, it's just, then it, <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't have to go, I'm good. <sighs> What's the name of this ministry? Chase, thanks for giving me an opportunity, John. Thanks for letting me come. Uh, <laughs> it's my family. I am perfect. <laughs> Sorry. It's my wife and my daughter. She's 23. I had her when I was six. It's a strange story, but... Uh, <laughs> Caitlin's almost uh, 12 and a half, and then Nathan we bought when uh, he's six now. Yeah, he's adopted, so he knows that we bought him. I mean, we paid for him, doggone it. And, uh... <laughs> okay, I'm lying. Um, not that we bought him. We did buy him. I'm lying that my life isn't perfect. It, it, it feels like it, though. You know, you see someone and everything's just in a... Everyone's family picture looks good. No one's like, yeah, I'm just going to rip out your eyeballs. I mean, nobody does that, right? They're all... So I thought I'd just be honest and show you what's behind that. But to do that, I got to start out when I was born. Um, I have a brother who's nine years older than me. We are exact opposites. He is a refrigerator truck driver. Nothing wrong with that. It's just I have no connection with him. I try. I, there's just, we're not, now we're Italian and Irish and German. That is a combination for an assassin. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, if I wasn't a Christian, I would kill people for a living. And I, I have the genetic uh, right. And, um, but I, I grew up in Wisconsin, and um, it's interesting. I, it's always nice. I don't know if, how many of you have babies in your family still? Uh, <laughs> I love being the baby because I just did what he did the opposite of what he did and everything turned out good for me. <laughs> I mean, that's how it was. Just whatever he did, I did the opposite and life was awesome. Um, when I was growing up, there's my mom. By the way, I wish I still had that car. I could buy us all lunch. You know what I'm saying? That was like the real metal cars back in the 60s. And uh, man, life has changed. And so here I am. I had great mom and dad. They, uh, they were awesome heathens. Um, no, I mean, I, I, they were, you know how there's bad heathen. My parents were good people. And we went to church. Our church looked just like this. It was very nice. A lot of fun. Um, what brought me confusion was uh, they asked me to serve this Jesus. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. I was raised Catholic. Nothing against Catholic beliefs except the church I went to was so boring. Now, you have an, a guy with, I didn't know this at the time, obviously needed to be medicated. And they put him in a place where you're supposed to be quiet. I mean, there was like, I'm just gonna go. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> like, can't do that. I'm like, why? Don't be friendly. Don't smile. Don't look at people. Kneel down. But the only time we had fun in church is when my friend Pat's elbow got stuck in the hymnal rack. It was awesome. I was like, this is so good. Just, I mean, be quiet. Don't. Do and then the snacks they gave you halfway through were terrible. And so I was just like, this place is is horrible. It was boring. And I, I didn't know. I wish somebody wouldn't have told me about a boring Jesus that couldn't touch my life. I wasted almost two decades on that whole false premise of the reality of who God was. It's so sad. I was a pretty good heathen too. I mean, if you're going to classify heathens, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I wasn't like crazy, some sexual fiend like I later became. <laughs> you guys don't know when to laugh and when not to. I don't know what to do. I... Is that funny? Can we laugh at that? Yes, that was stinking funny. Oh, 
so Santa brought me a magic kit when I was seven years old. And uh, this is actually from 1978. Look at there. It was my first magic show. There's my address. And it was interesting. And we had people come. And I, I suddenly became this little entertainer guy. Um, it got crazier, though, because as I grew, I started becoming more and more advanced and kind of became a child prodigy and a celebrity in my own town. It was, it was, I was in the paper every single week. And I went from doing little tricks to bigger tricks. And I thought it would be f fun to take a second and at least blow your minds, it'd be expected, wouldn't it? So to, uh, to help me with this is I have a football. I'm just going to throw it over my back. Someone catch it. Whoever catches it, throw it behind your back, and then someone else will get it. And whoever gets that, you come up here. No, you guys probably shouldn't. Throw it again. Throw it again. Nobody wants to get it. Where's the ball? What happened? All right, come on up here. Come on. We have not prearranged anything, right? How are you? How are you? I'm good. Hey, let's do this. I'm going to see if I can make a connection with you. Um, this is a blue deck of cards, and I took a red card, and I'm going to place it right there. There's no other cards. It'll stay there. There's nothing up my sleeves, okay? And what we're going to do is I'm going to try to connect with you using these cards. And all I want you to do, see, I've made a prediction, and now I'm going to see if we can't connect. If we don't, it's obviously your fault. <laughs> you're, the, <laughs> you're the problem. Come stand over here so everybody can see, so we'll, we'll do this right. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go face down with these cards, and, and you tell me to stop anytime you want. Sometime today. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Stop. Whoa. I'm kind of stuck here because I've got Put one here. One Put this one down, yes, sir. and you want this one here. Okay. Is that what you're wanting to do? Sure. Or do you want to go back? I mean, I don't no, care. No, or do you I want? Keep that one right there. This is the one you want. Yeah. Yeah. How many other people have a orange shirt here? Stink. Okay, look. Okay, so here's. Let's go over this. I came up with this card. Right. You came up with this card. Right. And look, we could have stopped at any of these other cards. Okay. Mm -hmm. But for some reason. You stop there. Right. Grab your card. Don't look at it yet. I'll grab my card. Okay. All right? Now, I thought you might pick the three of clubs. Okay. What are the odds of you stopping just randomly? One in 52. It's not one in 52. <laughs> it's one in a million and 728. Okay. Turn your card over. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's unreal. Thanks, man. And so what happened was, I started to do things. Oh, you should never touch another person's stool. Um, the, that was awesome. <laughs> what, what happened is I, I, I started getting that reaction of, I don't know, I was able to do something other people couldn't, and I was loving it. I, I wasn't really into sports because I was real skinny. My mom was skinny. She got a run on her nylons one time and fell through. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But I'm serious. You got in free. Come on, guys. What do you want? And um, I thought, you know, like I said, I thought religious. I, I started growing. This was, uh, what year was this? That was in 1982. And uh, what I was realizing is that maybe I had a gift. Maybe I could do something that other people couldn't. I met a guy named Jay while I was doing this. 
Jay was an interesting guy, a real popular guy in school. But Jay's family, they were freaks, man. They went to church like three times a week. I'm not kidding you. Now, he asked me, Chris, you want to go to church with me? And I thought, why would I want to do that? Why would you want me to come? I mean, I never invited anyone to church unless I didn't like them. He was in this little church that met, ironically, in a mosaic, mosaic, no, mosaic lodge. It wasn't a, a Mason church. You just met there. And I remember walking in, and I remember they had the lights on. Now, you understand, if you were raised Catholic, it was just like they had lights on, and people were like smiling and happy. And I'm like, what's wrong with these people? And they had like a band up there, like a drums and things. And I'm thinking, I mean, because at our church, all we had was an organ. Now, you never knew that anyone played it, but every once in a while, you'd see an arm come out of there, and it was death music. It was horrible. It was just, ah. And so I go in there, and I'm meeting people, and they're like, hi. And then I meet the pastor. You understand? And he's married. Now, it was freaky to a little Catholic boy going, do they know that? Here's my kids. I'm like, yeah, you know? And I guess it was all part of it, and, and I... I started hearing the gospel for the first time. It was weird. Strange. Guys, understand this. When you invite someone, even to real men, what, what, what you have to realize is all they have is what, they're, what they know, which could be a bad experience. And when you say, hey, you need to come to my church, they're like, elbow in the hymnal rack? Is that the most fun thing that happens there? So it is a little bit of a, it was hard for me to, to get it all. But God had a plan. He decided he would <clears throat> destroy me. Um, every year I'd go, I lived in Wisconsin, I'd go up to uh, Minnesota and I'd hang out with friends of ours that owned a farm. What a great thing for a young man to do. For two, three months in the summer, I'd go there. So this family became like my second family. And uh, in 1982, I, uh, I was doing a magic convention in Chicago and I got a, a phone call from my mom, which was weird, you see. They were up at our cottage in northern Wisconsin with our friends that owned the farm. He had never taken a vacation probably for 16, 17 years. And he was at our cottage uh, water skiing. And I got this phone call. It was a weird one. We didn't have a phone in the cottage. And this is way before cell phones. She said, Chris, you need to sit down. <laughs> Why? And she said, Mr. Gray passed away today. Now, you have to understand... Mr. Gray was like my second dad. And I remember processing it. I remember, it's a good thing they say sit down because I remember my knees buckling and I slid into the corner of the, of the kitchen thinking, what? I mean, I was just starting to put my toe in this thing called Jesus, you know? I got mad. I realized that my entire life, I, I was seeking fame and fortune and I was starting to see a little bit of that. And I realized at that moment, all the stuff I was seeking meant nothing. See, I knew the cost of everything but the value of nothing. And I got to a place that I realized, this is horrible. I was all alone. They're, they're three hours away, and I'm at home alone thinking, this is stupid. I remember thinking, I'm gonna, I, was, I, was, I had a little bit of an anger problem. I might have been young and little, but I was fast, like a ninja warrior. And so I was a Golden Gloves boxer, and so I had really fast hands, and I thought, you know what, I, I, I'm going to go beat somebody up. Like, I was just angry. I didn't know what to do. And I remember walking down the street, and my friend's dad, who was a cop, you know, the religious family, they were weird. They would hold hands and pray over their food. I mean, like, really? That's an awkward moment when you're a little kid, and they, you get in, and you start going like this, and I go, let's pray. You're like, okay. I knew a couple. Hey, I'll marry full of grace. They're like, mm, no. I'm like, oh. And they start, oh, God. Thank you for this day. I'm like, really? 
And they go around and they're like confessing. The mama's like, oh, forgive me for my attitude today. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? You know, just eat the food and, and, and put your mask on on Sunday like everybody else. Hi, blessed. How are you? <laughs> so his dad started talking to me in the middle of the night. And he shared with me his experience with Jesus. It was nuts. Here's this tough cop. I had so much respect for him. And he's sitting on the edge of this bank of this creek where we were. And he's telling me about his personal, intimate, fresh, current relationship with the real Jesus. And I'm like, I'm thinking back at that picture going, man, you must have been desperate. But it messed me up. He was, it was so convincing. And so and I'm like, what? No, no theology, just his testimony. You can't save someone from here. You can from here. He didn't convince me that I needed Jesus. He made me want what he had just by saying, so I'm like, oh, wow. So it's in the middle of the night, 1.45 in the morning, June 20th, 1982. I'm in the basement of their home, and my heart is hurting. My, my, my best dad kind of guy is dead. My, he had a massive heart attack, died on the floor of our cottage. I was so mad. And I remember looking up. I'm in the basement, right? There's no organ music. There's no preacher. There's nobody. And I remember thinking, God, if you're real, prove it. That's when an angel came and visited me. No, I'm just kidding, but that would have been cool, you know? <laughs> really? No, I didn't wish. That would have been neat. No, what happened was, I, I, I wish I had a, I don't know. I started sobbing. And all I can tell you is that somehow, it's like God hugged me all by myself. I'm all by myself in the basement at 1.45 in the morning as a 17-year-old boy. And somehow I felt the love of God and I, don't, I can't explain it. You say, well, what happened then? I'm like, I went to sleep. <laughs> and the next day I woke up and I thought, what the world just happened to me? I said, you know, God, if you're real, prove it. And I felt his love. I mean, that's when he started me on a journey. I, I, I started reading Bibles. I started looking around. I started figuring out what's going on. I graduated high school, bought a tour bus. That's what you do. And went on the road doing magic. Went to Florida, of all places. Pinellas Park, hooked up with a media ministry. Unbelievable. Doing magic, singing, acting, this big media thing. And it was great. We traveled all over the place. And um, for me, <laughs> I thought I was there. That's when I realized, man, I got to go to like Bible college or something. God had spoken to me. I want you to do this for me. Okay, so I went to Bible college. That's a trip, you know? And uh, my dad, I had a full-ride scholarship. I didn't do that. It was two years later before I went to college. I went to college. My dad paid for it, sold a sailboat. I thought, wow, this is serious. He's, see, I didn't tell you this. I led both my mom and the dad to the Lord right after that. And in that time, it's just amazing what God started doing. I'm going to fast forward because I want to get to the good part. So... I get involved uh, with the largest youth group in America, just got to be a part of it. We had 1,600 teenagers on a Wednesday night. It was insane. This is back in the 80s when churches weren't that big. Just what God was doing, we were taking over a city of Baton Rouge. Amazing. And uh, in that, I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to be a youth pastor. So I went in South Bend, Indiana, youth pastor, then went to Tampa, Florida, youth pastored. And I was... I was like getting opportunities to speak here and there and here and there, and I thought, wow, this is cool. And so what did I do? I went on the road. And I started producing large-scale illusion shows. 
big stuff like Copperfield and Chris Angel stuff. And so some of the stuff I designed in big shows, Atlantic City, uh, Branson, um, Las Vegas. I'm trying to think of uh, where else were we? Uh, those kind of places, you know. And it was interesting because uh, that's a different lifestyle for a Christian. <laughs> but I, was, I didn't care. I remember we'd have like dancing girls. I'm like, get out of the way. I'm trying to see these props, you know. I just was so focused on the art and what we were doing and what we were trying to convey and things. And so I'm traveling, managing, performing. Then I get this dream job at a university as one of the communication guys. It was like, woo, this is it. I am on the top of my game. Life is good. And that's when I got the divorce papers. <laughs> you know, that's not supposed to happen to a minister. I mean, it was the third time. I should have been used to it, see? Not the third divorce. Third time she gave me divorce papers. See, when I, when I married this lady, I wanted to be her knight in shining armor. She was my damsel in distress. That is really stupid to do that, by the way. And I remember my friends warning me, do not marry this girl. She is so confused. I'm like, I can fix her. <laughs> and so I did. I ended up getting married. Uh, we were married for 12 years, had a little girl. And um, so I lose my job at the university, guys. And because of my position at the school, they asked me to leave in the middle of the night so I wouldn't cause a ruckus. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what it's like if you guys have ever had a dream and you're living the dream and then it's ripped through your fingers and you don't even know what the world happened. And I'm like, I am literally moving home in 1997, the week of Thanksgiving, and I lost everything. My wife is gone. She left with the Pepsi delivery man. And I'm like, I hate life. I mean, what the world am I supposed to do now? I don't know how to do anything. It was so amazing what happened in that process, in that time. Well, 18 months went by of us being separated in Arkansas. There's a beautiful law saying when that happens, you're done. Automatic divorce. And that's what happened. It was during that time, I thought women were of the devil. I was convinced. And then I saw this girl. Miss Fitness Arkansas. Doing one-arm push-ups. And I'm thinking, there is a God. I met her, and she was all this bubbly high, and I'm like, wow, she was a national gymnast and a national NPC fitness competitor, and I'm like, how are you doing? I had an eight-year-old with me, my daughter, and anyway, we didn't talk for six months, and one day, I really felt it was God. I wonder, she wonders, I don't wonder, she wonders sometimes if it was, and uh, I got her phone number through a friend, and I called her on the phone. I said, hi, remember me? She said, sort of, and we talked for four hours, and we met two days later, and I told my dad, I'm going to marry her. He said, really? I'm like, yeah. And um, this is real man, right? I did not want to have sex with her before I was married, but it was hard because she is Miss Fitness Arkansas. Do you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I'm thinking, what does a preacher do to not have sex with a woman? You get married, like immediately. <laughs> 51 days. I met her 51 days later. Let's get married. She's like, okay. She was delirious. 51 days. 51 days. Don't ever do that. If you're not married and you're thinking about hooking up with someone for 51 days, for the love of Almighty God, don't do that. But I did. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, this is her wedding picture. Yeah, she could kick most of your tails. 
And so it was a, a great thing. For six months, it was euphoric. It was amazing. Life was, was, was unbelievable. And um, she was a physical therapist. She's making great money. I'm traveling every other week, speaking in churches. And life is awesome. And then I realized I wanted custody of my daughter because her mom wasn't living for the Lord. But I'm traveling the other week. It didn't work, so I had to get a job. I never had a job. You guys understand? I did magic, and I preached. That's it. How do you get a job? She goes, sell something. I said, okay. So I got into sales, became a, 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 a rep for a hard surface a tiles and that kind of thing. And then Warren Buffett's company got a hold of me, took me, and whew. You know about sales? Some of you guys are commission sales. The more you sell, the more you make. What an awesome idea. <laughs> Give it to a guy like me. So my first year, I came in third in the nation in sales. I'm like, wow. I remember getting these five-figure bonus checks, like, woo! And I'm like, I like this, you know? In fact, I started getting into, like, crazy things. We bought a house in Arkansas. I started getting into watches, and this was my old car. And I'm like, life is all about this. I get it. Now, I'm still going to church and doing all this stuff, but what I realized is I was getting messed up. See, I wasn't Pastor Chris anymore. I was just a sales rep that had an unlimited expense account. We did $240 million that year. It's a decent thing, making double-digit bonuses and margins. It was stupid. I got scared, guys. I got scared because I thought, I'm going to mess up. Unlimited, I mean, there's a bunch of winos and everybody hooking up and sleeping together. And I'm thinking, wow. I remember people giving me hotel keys, and I'm like, why are you giving? I was so innocent, you know? You're going to what now? Oh, my God. That's a tempting one. She's pretty. Oh, gosh. Uh, and so it, I just, whoa. And so in the process of all this, we had moved away from the church that we had helped be a part of. Started with two couples. Now it's running about, I don't know, 4,000 or so, a little smaller than this one. I was leading and teaching. I moved back to Arkansas. It's only gone a couple months. <laughs> I quit my job, guys. I said, you know what? I'm so scared. I just quit. It's hard to quit a big job, you know? But I thought, it's not worth it. But I didn't realize how bad I was gone. I stopped reading the Bible. I stopped praying. The bad news is I'm pretty good at this stuff. See, I can communicate. I mean, I taught collegiate communicate. I get it. I, I can do this. I have an energy level. People are like, that guy loves Jesus. I learned something. Most people don't have discernment. They don't have a clue. See, I knew the talk, and I stopped walking the walk. So I get this job as a national sales director and ended up becoming the vice president of this international company. It was over six countries, and again, all this money's coming in. I am having a blast. I have this big staff. I'm flying around the world. I mean, you know, just stopping in and checking stuff out. And I remember the day when I was at this restaurant in my hometown. I liken it, you know. I remember this waitress. Man, she was just so good at waitressing. You know what I mean? I mean, just bubbly, and she just give me water before I asked. I'm like, this girl's awesome. I said, do you like your job? She said, well, I'm the manager here. I said, how much do you make? She told me. I said, I'll double it. Come work for me. I could do that. Why? Because she was really pretty. <laughs> and I remember the people I was with, I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, I would do that in the community. I'd hire people all the time. I'm like, you, I like you. You got something. How much you make? All right, I'll double it. Come on. And we did it all the time. But it was different this time. I remember getting this girl in the office and going over the things. I remember looking at her and I kept, she kept distracting me. I'd walk down the hall and think, oh, geez, 
wow. And then she'd meet me like in one of the rooms or something. She'd say, you're so funny. And I'd be like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and what was happening is my wife and I were not doing well. I was working hard and flying around the world. And I just, she, she wasn't impressed by me anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, like at all, apparently. This girl was. Man, she, she was like laughing at things. She's like, wow. And then I'll never forget the day when she gave me that look. I remember that day. I, I, I was like, but I'm like, that's what they call that rooster walk. And I, I thought I should email her and just let her know that if she needs anything, she can. So I, I did. I, I emailed her and said, you know, if you need anything, here's my cell number and I'd be good. And then I didn't know what she was going to do, but she emails me back. And she said, here's my cell number. You know, if you need all caps, anything. I thought, well, I think it's going to be a good day. I remember feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I remember that awkwardness. I mean, I had preached to tens of thousands of people. I'd made millions of dollars. I, I knew the Bible inside and out. I, I knew when God called me. It just didn't matter right now. I was lonely. I was hurting. I was frustrated. I wasn't happy. I just thought, man, this is fine. And I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And so I moved out. <laughs> Got my little apartment, you know. Hooked up a few times. I thought, this, what a rush. Let me just tell you something. It is a rush to like sneak around. It's just like your heart's beating. It's like, this is amazing. And I remember hearing this subtle voice of the Holy Spirit says, this will be shouted from the rooftops. And I'm like, no, man. I am a deceiver. As an illusionist, I can create things. I can do this. I am self-sufficient. I, I can handle this. I got it. I can create you to choose whatever card I want you to choose. I've done it thousands of times. I'm in control of this situation. I got it. And then I got a text from the chick's boyfriend. By the way, she lied to me. She said she didn't have a boyfriend. He said... I know who you are, I know what you've done, and I'm going to kill you. I remember seeing that upstairs in my house going, huh, that's awkward. I, it didn't phase me, I wasn't scared. I thought, I don't care, I don't care. Now listen, I am preaching in our church, and guess what I spoke on? July 6th, I, we're in a series called The Course of Life, which is, uh, Billy, you like this, which is a, a golf thing. And, and, and what it, we did is, my part was to speak on out of bounds, the consequences of going out of bounds in your life, how there's a penalty, you got to go back to the place that you started when you did it, if you're going to do it right. That was in July, September 16th, I decided to open the door and just go for it. I moved out of my house. She didn't keep quiet, guys. They never do. She started telling people. I remember my wife calling me on the phone. She said, I had a dream about you last night. I said, really? And she said, yeah, you had an affair. I was like, <laughs> that's a goofy dream. And then she names the chick. 
I thought, so what's your point? And she starts weeping, how could you do this to me? And I'm thinking, it was easy. Should have seen that look. I had no idea what impact it would have on her. I was like, I don't love you anymore. What does it matter? I'm moving on. I got things to do, people to see. And I remember getting an email the next day. And uh, it was the weirdest email because it, it said, take care of our daughter. Weird email. And I remember thinking, that's strange. Tell her I love her? I called my pastor. I said, Rick, man, listen to this email. I read it to him. He goes, call 911 right now. I'm like, no problem. He said, listen to me. You listen to me. Call 911 right now. So I did. Called 911. Kind of glad I did. When I got home, uh, there were four cops at my house. And uh, apparently, she couldn't take it anymore. So my sturdy, steady, loving wife took a 38, put it up to her head, and pulled the trigger. That'll mess you up. And uh, I remember getting there and all the hubbub. I'm walking in, and I remember seeing uh, her body on the couch. Oh, it, it didn't go off. But it might as well have, because I'm seeing this woman who is so strong and she's sobbing and convulsing on the couch and I'm looking at her thinking, I did this. Wow. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it costs you more than you want to pay. I remember that day when her mom and dad are there looking at me like, wow. I remember reading the letter that she typed on the email that hadn't sent it to my daughter saying, mommy loves you. Listen to daddy. She was only four. <laughs> Here's what Proverbs says. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and she steps. her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She, she staggers down a crooked trail. She doesn't even realize it. So my sons, listen to me. Never stray for what I'm about to say, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor. You will lose to merciless people that all you even have achieved. Strangers will come and consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, <laughs> You will groan in anguish with disease consumes your body. You'll say, well, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? 
I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. That was me. I remember having to sit in the car of my pastor and then tell him what happened. The executive pastor pulled his fist back and says, I want to punch you right in the face. I said, you can do that. They didn't. They hugged me. Weird. <coughs> Guys, every one of us has a story. I hope you don't have one like mine. And if you're right on the edge of that, I hope I scared the hell out of you. Literally. I didn't speak for four years. I had to get restored. I had to earn my wife's trust back. I had to face up with my kid. I had to talk to my friends. I shot a video for the whole church asking them to forgive me. It was the most awkward thing I ever did. I remember about five, six months after I did that video, I was in an adjacent city, and this girl was looking at me. I thought, what is she doing? Don't do that. I've learned not to look twice now. I'm just... She comes over to me, she goes, I know you, you're the guy from the video. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, what a thing to be known for. <laughs> I got some good news for you guys. I realized in that process that I wasn't defined by what I did, but who I was in God. I used to get four calls a day to go speak. I got to no calls in years. I don't mess your psyche up. <laughs> I went from making tens of thousands of dollars a month to, I didn't make tens of thousands of dollars a year. I don't mess you up. God's a God of second chances. That church loved on me. They restored me. They spoke into me. They believed in me. It wasn't easy. It had to hurt. We had to dig into some things and find out, how did we get here? I'm kind of liking God's grace, by the way. And I really like his mercy. My family's perfect. Did I tell you that? It is. Because all the sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's kind of fun. I've fallen back in love with that amazing woman. Some of you know her. And our life is back on track. You got to get real before you get right. I don't know where you guys are. I don't know what's dealing with you. I don't know what's poking on you. I don't know what's calling you, but we need each other. Amen? Don't give up on each other, even when we do something stupid. <laughs>